I'm Sean, and this is, this is the name of the show is Laughing Monkey Music. So let me welcome you on. Laughing so, Monkey Music. Well, great to be here. Thank you, Sean. Well, thank Starting you. off, what was your what was your your launch to rock? Wow, that's that's way back. Well, um, I would probably have to say, you know, like many others of of, of my generation and of my age, because uh, we were pretty much loyal fans to our music. I, I would have said it was uh, Led Zeppelin and uh, Black Sabbath. Yeah. And just obscure stuff like uh, Uriah Heep, you know, um, uh, you know, just bands like Yes. And uh, it Those was really I like. Those are all bands I like. I literally have all that well, in vinyl. Well, the thing is that my brother was the one that was tossing all this music at me, and I was really young, and I was, you know, open to to music, and he he uh, he just played it on on you know on vinyl because that's all we had, you know, at that point at the house. So we just had to spin records, and to get records at time, they weren't cheap, and it was, you know, yeah. not everyone had a Black Sabbath album. <laughs> No, but anyway, yeah, that's what it was. That's where it all started. Uh, you know, I think that the guitar kind of just uh, the Tommy Iommi um, guitar tone embedded into my head. And and uh, I never looked back and I always looked for more of that and, and, and basically opened me up to the rest to be, a, you know, hard rock, heavy metal and just, you know, went on from that. And all of a sudden Led Zeppelin kind of went like, who's that now? You know? Yeah. Yeah, went, went to another realm, and it was it was a really cool experience as a kid. How, how fast did you start before you got in the band and started singing? So were you you started singing in high school, I'm assuming, maybe band. No, or? not at all. I I wasn't a singer. I was a drummer. I actually started as a drummer, and uh, so for me, it was uh, not enough. I yeah. was, I found it to be more to where uh there was guys that were going to be so much better at what i need for me that uh um, a producer told me that i had a great voice and that i should try it and, and uh, have everything it takes to do it you just got to do it you know and, yeah uh, that's that's how it started and that started you know in in the early in the early years you know as a, you know as a you know 18 year old kid so but drums were my deal i fucking rocked those drums for a while and uh oh, i'm there in the keyboards mixing console guitars i have everything in my house right here so that i need so i i do my own tracking on things you know for writing purposes so i uh yeah I'm, i still do it for 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 that sense but i don't go out and do like live shows and play drums anymore now no i, I i'm a big fan of drummers so i have a lot of guys that i can play with and enjoy playing with well the fact you can put a decent beat down when you write your own song is probably very helpful you know yeah it does help me and it's just so much less explanation to fucking drummers <laughs> yeah i can see that i can actually do you think do you think you write differently too because of that because like um i know some drummers that are also singers they are musicians they're always like they kind of write like with a, with, like with a rhythm to it you know uh well the the thing is that um if you're used to working with the same drummer all the time and you have a formula with them yeah, and you don't want to change too much of it. In my case, like my drummer that I have that I've had for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and much easier for me to write the song uh, myself on the drums for him than have him put him through a fucking rehearsal where I'm going to sit there and pull my hair out, explain him what I want. Yep. You understand me? Because mm -hmm. I'm I'm writing the songs. 
and 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 I need a certain thing, and I don't want to put anyone through all that. So what I do is I sit at, at in my house, and I track it myself. Very simple, even if it's a little off or anything like that, just to get my my idea in there and then i'll go in there and tweak it and have it down i play it for them and they play it live and it sounds fucking awesome so <laughs> probably saves friendships too <laughs> well you know i learned when you play with guys at our age and stuff yep. and you know how the gears work you kind of grease things differently and uh and you know you don't play with the same guys for 20 plus years because uh you know you you hate each other uh, you know, it brings you together, you know, um, because you enjoy it. If not, you, you, most people won't play in a band with you. You know, you know how it is. It's so dysfunctional. Yeah. Uh, unless, you, and, unless you're making the, unless you're making the, the uh, Rolling Stones money, then, then, then you can have a golf cart between, uh, right. your, your changing rooms. <laughs> right. But, but even the, but even the Rolling Stones, even the Rolling Stones are such a weld, weld oil oh, yeah. machine that 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 you know in order for you to get the rolling stones in one room at the same time it has to be for an interview yeah for a special date dinner event or a gig i actually think but they're getting along better now too though i mean what wasn't it the last like two tours ago that was a joke uh, they were just like all stadiums but they were like every everybody was like a different different rehearsing rooms and nobody was talking well i worked for them um Back at uh, Voodoo Lounge CD-ROM, I was actually the project director for the Rolling Stones Voodoo Lounge CD-ROM. I went on the tour with them. I did their green screens, their jumbotron, their microphones oh, nice. on the guitars. Yeah. That was all me. Um, and it's and, and uh, you know my credits are are you know multimedia producer magazine cover, all that great shit back then. Nobody yeah. really knows much about it, but uh, I got to see a different side to them. Yeah, everyone's in a different dressing room. Yeah, you want them in a fucking different dressing room. Yeah. You don't want them in the same fucking no. room. <laughs> no. You know, and it's great because their backstage area is basically like a arcade. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, they're like kids. They're like little kids. They're like 16-year-olds doing gigs. That's the way I look at it. You gotta just entertain and them. To keep them keep what them. a blast. Who yeah. wouldn't want that fucking gig? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's... I couldn't imagine how awesome that would have been. Yeah, you know, so they're beyond. It's 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 be it's more like uh, I need to spend money because I'm making money now. Before, you know, through street steel wheels, not to change the subject, they were losing a lot of money. They were comping yeah. people everywhere. And after Voodoo Lounge, which I worked on, was the one that I saw when they became the largest grossing band in the history of rock at that point, 94, 95. But anyway, yeah, great time in LA. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not born in LA, but I've been in LA since 1972. So my whole lifestyle has been downtown LA, Hollywood area, Pasadena high school. That's where I went. Well, I went to Van Halen's house every day to go listen to them rehearse from the alley. So, I mean, I was not, just some guy that showed up and claimed that I live here and, and I learned how to play mm -hmm. something and, and I pretended that I know something. I actually got to be around my heroes, like Van Halen. There was bands like Angel. There was uh, Smile, a la carte. Uh, there was Snow. Uh, there was Quiet Riot. There was no Motley Crue. There was London. Uh, there yeah. was all kinds of oh. shit. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's really funny how the credibility value doesn't really get credited for when in reality the real Sunset Strip players was really London at the time. For me, as a young guy, I came in after Lizzie had done three attempts uh, with three different singers, with name singers. Yeah, you know what I mean. And they couldn't even get a hand job 
from anyone. I mean, they didn't even have a record. They didn't have nothing. I think they did one song uh, for a demo uh, that's on in the internet. Um, uh, and I think he might've done uh, LA Jets as a demo with Nigel Benjamin at the one point, I believe, mm -hmm. you know, but I could be wrong. But other than that, you know, I came in as another attempt and, and it was Lizzie, you know, um, that, uh, that kept, you know, wanting to keep going on, you know, to, you know, keep London, you know, going even after Nikki left him, after Blackie left, after Slash was not stayed, Izzy didn't stay, Steven was too out of his fucking mind. So, <laughs> you know, it was just, we had these guys, uh, except for Slash, I, you know, uh, all the other guys, we partied a lot. You know what I mean? We, we partied a lot. Uh, you know, so that made it really bad when you're nodding out, you know, uh, or, you know, you're uh, just doing other things that you shouldn't be doing. Wasn't that and, the quote that's followed you around forever from the Western civilization? What was the word? Uh, training school for rock stars? Look or at it this way. No matter what, that movie was inducted into the Academy of Film as a classic. Anyone is, you know, Roger Corman wasn't making fucking dinosaur movies, but he discovered Jack Nicholson, you know, he discovered William Shatner and I got to do a cheesy, you know, B movie for his movie company. And you know, how many people can say oh, you're on a Roger Corman film? Not many. Well, right. No. Yeah. I just, I felt like I put a lot of people in a bad light. I mean, it, it could have been a little kinder. Well, that was the idea. I think that Penelope took it as a, I think they had a shtick to it. You know what I'm saying? I do. Because I do. Ozzy Osbourne, Ozzy Osbourne wasn't spilling the fucking juice. You know, but it looked good on fucking film. I mean, but Ozzy um, could get away with it. Ozzy, Ozzy, could, Ozzy just had a, a thing. He was established. A lot of you guys right. were coming out of there. Well, you can see like, how yeah. everyone was dressing. You saw how everyone was talking. I mean, you had girls with their little kids there. You know, you I know, I know. I'm saying they could have. You had people fucking mooning in the beginning of the movie. You already know what's happening. There's a bunch of guys mooning the camera. Oh, I look back. People, people love that stuff. It's a, it's a car. Let, let me tell you something. You know how Chris Holmes tells me, you know, a while back he was like, oh, I fucking hate that fucking movie. <laughs> yep. He goes, they fucking hate that movie. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, we all signed the contract, brother. I yep. said, you know, we signed it and we went with it. You, nobody threw you in the fucking pool, you know. Nobody could throw you in the fucking pool. I said to him. And we were at a dinner actually in Pasadena, and um, I said, no, dude, it's true. I said, you know, like my bass player Brian West, who's in that movie, he's the guy that goes, I don't have a job, and he goes, our dicks get hard for gold cards. Think about that. <laughs> Think about that. Now he is a big old Christian band leader and his church and somewhere in California. Chris Fucking cringiest when I send him a screenshot. You know what I mean? Uh, did you see Chris actually? They did that reshot of that nowadays. Maybe like a modern version of him in the pool. No, man. Must um, he having a fucking uh, a Red Bull? He's Europe, and he's in I don't Europe know. Something or water. He's talking in there, but it, it's it's literally <laughs> playing against that scene. It's actually kind of taking the joke and kind of throwing it back. It was how it was. Didn't make you dress in leather. Yeah, but you were. I mean, how many guys swim in a pool with leather and a bottle of vodka with their mom next to them? Not many motherfuckers do. No, I don't know who would want to. Right, but I'm just saying, it was a time. Yeah, it was a place. It was a moment, and it's gone. I never really sat down and and thought about it until I went and and sat at the at the LACMA 
the museum of Los Angeles down there for this thing, you know, uh, when I had to do Q and A with Penelope, with Ricky from Poison, myself, and William from KNAC, and uh, I and it's, and was it uh, uh, Ricky Rackman also? And they were inducting the movie into this thing, and yeah. I saw the movie, and everyone that was there was not from our era. Meaning, the only people that were there were people that were in the movie. And everyone in the audience was all new. <laughs> and, and I sat down and it was packed. It was packed on 35 millimeter, just as the reel would play it back then. It was incredible to watch. And I thought after it, because I had to go up and speak. And I thought about it and I go, I'm so fucking glad my kids were not here. And my costumes yeah. used to cost me quite a bit of money. I spent a lot of, a lot of time and money on stages with, with, with my guys. We... We took our shit seriously. We pull up in a truck, and I, I think back and go, how do we pay for all this shit? I'm trying to remember how we got yeah, gas. And it money. was a market. Remember, they were signing bands like fucking, you know, like 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 hamburgers. They were picking up bands. They had to pick up like 20, 30 bands a fucking month. That's there crazy. There was two thousand working bands a night. Two thousand working bands a night in LA serious? County. Yeah, in LA County. You know what I mean? LA is a big. Mecca for music back then. There was, everything was based around music back then and dancing and partying and going out and clothes and color. And it's not like now. Everything's all fucking like dud. Uh, how, fast did it, how, how fast did it start to change? It changed right after uh, Alice in Chains showed up. Okay. After that, that was it? It, kinda... it was a, an atomic blast of boots, shorts, and... Uh, uh, lumberjack cutoff shirts, and then all the all the coolness of the color and the over the top stuff. Yep, fizzled out. You know, like the song says, "I'm the man in the box." That's exactly where it went it's into there. a box. And uh, you know, I'm glad it it, it ended because uh, it really killed a whole lot of stuff that was going on. And and hip hop was was really doing well. But mm -hmm. I don't think hip hop was taken away from rock no. because yeah. even hip hop was getting wrapped up with, you know, like Aerosmith and even London had a song, uh, uh, Rainbow Bar and Girls, which was stolen by our manager and sold to Atlantic Records in New York, by the way. And, uh, you know, trying to do rock rap, but in a different format. Now, but I think that the, the way the labels did it was that they made that trip be the click and killed an industry that actually that makes them a lot of money. If, if you really look at it, their catalogs are all based around rock music. Yeah. You listen to radio and it's all rock. I had somebody tell me, oh, you like that kind of snare? That's kind of outdated. And I go, it's still selling fucking millions of records to this day, that fucking yep. snare. You know what I mean? So the thing, you know, back to the original thing is, is that even London being a nightmare, as you say, with the right press, <laughs> the right manager, it's look, I've gotten a couple albums out and got some. Well, listen, I had managers. I had Kenny Austin. Listen to this. Kenny Austin. Mo Austin's son. Do you know who that is? The CEO of Warner Brothers Records back then. He had Bob Dylan at his house, George Harrison. And when I walk in, all that, I mean, his daddy was the man. I had him as a manager. Then we had Steve Gold and Jerry Goldstein. They had Lee Rittenauer, Hart. War, yeah, Tanya Tucker, yeah. and London. So we had our we had our moments of, of of coolness and greatness and all that. But I think that what was happening is that 
as you see, how many guys came out of the band just between the period of Lizzie starting the band, Nikki leaving the band, and then me coming in, and then me continuing with the band. How many changes were going on at the time? Yeah. And there was the niche, the niche, the niche was when I joined the band and nonstop rock, Don't Cry Wolf, and then Playa del Rock cracked it uh, with Richie Poplar producing it. And it just, open the door for us and then by then it was too fucking late because it was 1990 so guess wow. what yep seattle's in the house yeah <laughs> so that's what happened man but i'm still doing it i have a great time doing it i uh i have no bad taste in my mouth i have a reputation of being outspoken and you know telling it like it is and for me it's been a great ride the whole time and i'll continue to do it as yeah, much thanks. so you know um i'm i'm you know, I'm not getting any younger, but I'm definitely getting better at uh, what I'm doing. And uh, we took, we, what happened was we had a very destructive ending. And, uh, and in 93, I ended up getting a job and I started working for a company uh, named Second Vision New Media. And they had hired us to produce the Rolling Stones Voodoo Lounge City Rom, the first one of its kind. And, uh, dude. I'm not going to skip that. You yeah. know, well, I yeah. took the job and I became project director of the whole project. And, you know, before I know it, I'm hanging out with Mick. I'm doing green screens and doing all this shit. And and uh, things that I never thought I was going to get to do in my life, I was doing them. So for me, working for the Stones, I think, was the most uh, crown jewel of my accomplishments. Um and especially being on the cover of multimedia producer magazine. So, yeah. you know, I didn't, I only, I only stopped doing my music because I was working on that, but then I made money. And then I did a Latin album and I shelved it. How that, uh, that happened? Like what, what made you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm Mexican. That's how it happens. It, you know, I, I've never done it before. You know, I never sang in Spanish before, which was very challenging for me because, you know, uh, you know, phrasing and, and, uh, and the accent, you, know, well, you right, can't yeah. just fucking sing a song because people are going to call you out on it in Spanish. They're not like American songs. You can slur something and like, why? No, I mean, but, uh, you see uh, Lynn Russell was talking about that too when she actually, she did the same thing. Yes. It, how hard it is. I mean, it really says a lot about your singing because it's, it's, it's a different animal. Well, it's great for me. It's easy for me to do it. But uh, the, the great thing about it was that I had uh, Bernard Fowler who sings backup for the Rolling Stones come in in Mexico City and we recorded some tracks there while the Rolling Stones were there for Bridges to Babylon. Mm -hmm. And I did a uh, Ronnie Wood tune that was co-written by uh, Bernard. And so we did vocals together, duetted uh, in Mexico City oh, and nice. Spanish. So I had to, I got him to sing in Spanish, an all-nighter with Matt Sorum there. Chuck Wright was there. We're all in Mexico City recording my album. So I'm ready to put that out this year, coming up in 2021. How, I'm thinking, how did that happen, though? Because, like, what, what made you go, like, all of a sudden, how did you get a deal to do, to do it that way? I got an investment uh, from a film company. Uh, they liked my music, you know, personality, the whole thing. And, you know, there was a market at the time. The only problem for me that, that happened that I was competing against uh, Ricky Martin on the song uh, Maria. So he, all the labels were just like looking for that type of sound and all that. Yeah. And I came more from the rock, rock sound, but an American rock sound. So it's really good music. It's well produced. I, you know, I spent That's a really lot cool. of time. That's actually really, really cool. It's just, it feels like, you know what I'm saying? Just like hearing and knowing this, 
there's like a real left turn all of a sudden be like you know it wasn't like oh, oh, I'm it was ready. I, I, yeah, they're pushing me to put it out uh my girl is uh she's telling me that you got to get this out or you're never gonna fucking do it but now i started writing these other new ones so i'm trying to see if i can add a couple more tracks from these recordings that i have and add these right now because i'm working on two things i'm working on my solo album yeah uh and then i'm working on uh some new depreced music not london depreced so it's gonna have a little bit of a different uh feel to it but you know uh it rocks it's just you know bigger sound um so i'm excited about that that's that's been my whole deal i'm taking advantage of all this covid lockout so uh you know i'm sitting here uh you know working on that I don't know if you notice, like, if you go, like, if you look on, on the streaming services to, like, track down bands and stuff nowadays, like, the, the, the write-ups of the bands and the albums are out of order, or it's missing albums, or it's the wrong write-up for the wrong band, the same name. Or, or I've had album. my name London used in different bands and posted tickets and sales for shows that I'm not even in. So you see what I'm saying, then? <laughs> yeah, so. it's, it's, it's really, like, changed, almost like... Uh, hang on to all your old stuff at home anything than video cassette tapes or anything hang on to it because you're not yeah. going to be able to find a lot of this stuff and a lot of people are claiming ownership and stuff i keep finding people trying to post stuff of mine out of russia and uh how can you even you, fight that how do you can fight that i do i do i fucking went after uh this russian uh thing uh i don't know he was trying to sell my shirts an italian guy <laughs> had a shop in italy and I contact him directly, and I said I will come down to fucking Italy and collect my money for the shirt. I fucking would just to make a point, and you know because you can't be bootlegging my shit. And a lot of people took advantage of that for many years, and uh, now that I was able to, you know, take control of the of of of, of all the, the assets and stuff like that, I went after people in Vegas and Brazil, in England, in uh, Italy, in Russia. You know, buy, you buy my fucking song for 13 cents. Really? You know what I mean? Don't rely on streaming only or on, on downloads. People are buying physical, physical hand uh, uh, CDs. They're even buying cassettes. They're yep. buying vinyl. I have vinyl and digipack. And uh, it costs more to ship these items than what it costs for them to pay for the items. And I ship to Korea. I ship to Europe. I ship to South America. I ship to Israel. I, I ship in so many different places, in France, in specific towns in Germany. Uh, and, and people are paying for this. They want it in their hands. They want to smell it. They want to touch it. It's not over. It's over for the cars. Yeah, the cars are not going to have CDs. Yeah. But there's a market out there. People are buying fucking cassettes. Now, cassettes, I'll be like, eh, you know, I have a lot of them, too, brand new ones. And I'm like, oh, you know, but CDs, I can understand, you know, because you can get a really high quality audio out of it. And uh, and um, and it's still physical in your hand and you can collect it and look at it, read the title. You know, it's not the same. Europe is what broke London uh, besides the metal years. Europe was the one that broke London because... I would send cassettes out yep. to friends and stuff and they would send them to Europe and then they would talk about it. And then, uh, you know, that's how everyone got to know about you. And I would get actual physical letters from Japan and, and handwritten and stamped and licked on and all that with photos and toys. I mean, it was incredible, all that. But uh, 
you know, uh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a whole other deal now, you know. Uh, yeah, but when I talk to artists, I usually hear that a lot, and I hear that you know that it really is. That's what kind of keeps it alive. And I hear a lot about. I heard Germany is like really been a hot. We were with Noise Records. We were with. We were signed to Noise Records out of Berlin, so London was on that for Playa del Rock. I got to go to uh, Germany and do uh, a promotional tour for uh, Ride You Through the Night and and was uh, in uh, uh, Checkpoint Charlie crossing the first Harley Davidson into East Berlin. So Germany was actually our breaking point for London. If not, uh, uh, don't think anybody here in the United States was being very cool about signing London. We got signed out of Germany, you know, Carl Walterbach. That's crazy. See, that that totally just drives my point home. (laughs) Good Germany's been for music. Yeah, that's that's where all that it started for us. Uh, You know, the first album for London was you know, uh, but Shrapnel, but you know that was a Mike Varney. Yeah, but that was our first album. But the one that really broke the the deal for us to be able to get noticed is uh, it was Noise Records out of Berlin you know, which was the president was Carl Walterbach and uh, Bruce Kirkland, who later became the vice president of Capitol Records. Figure that, right? See how that works? Yeah. I, you know, I don't think it's, it works like that anymore nowadays. I think people are holding on. No, no, it. those jobs are gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it works like that anymore. I think people are uh, job hunting. You actually have to go to work. <laughs> yeah, or retired. I think. Yeah. That's so, a, a really... Bit. You know, for, for musicians, it's yeah. better. You know, I know. Um, yeah, I don't think just just digital, but I'm saying I think artists taking taking ownership, like you taking ownership of all your stuff. You know, I hear a lot of artists saying, "Yeah, I make more money now." You have to taking care you of my own to. stuff. You would on a be pissed level. off if you saw your stuff on someone's page claiming that they that that they did that or they put it out. I, I mean, I've had I, I have to. Crazy. You know, labels do that to people. You know, regular labels screw people like that. You know, and I don't want to mention any names, but. Uh, uh, you know, so artists, you know, nobody cares about you. Nope. Nobody gives a shit about you. You know, nobody. There's it's more um, artists. Yeah, well, there are other artists, things out there. Other artists are trying to come up with other ways to help artists. You know what I mean? Like, the only um, way to do it is by not relying on apps so much uh, and actually having a place where you can do shows. A place that it's actually an auditorium, a concert place, yep. different people, not just bars, not, you know, like, ha- uh, aren't we not like sophisticated enough to have, sh- you know, back in the day, remember in parks, they had stages, you yeah. know, you ever see that in parks, they yeah. had stages and you can have a party and you can set up a PA system and you can do, you know, your own gig and all that. They don't have that anymore. You can't. That was gone before even COVID. I mean, it was just, I think COVID just put the final nail in the coffin. For... Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, but that, but think about it. If it's if it was that bad already, which I know was not a long time ago, that's what I was using as that example, that that doesn't oh, yeah, happen yeah. no more. You know, you could go to a church and they could rent you the hall and I could do a gig. I used to do that in high school. I used to, I used to you know, throw uh, keg parties and you know, and backyard parties and make money on that. And, and everyone was cool. Now you can't do that. You'll go to jail for that. You got to have a permit. You got to have a fire marshal. It's got to be a cop. You got a minimum of three hours. You know, yeah. you got to get alcohol, a license, that. So it's not, I, I hate to say this, but I think that Europe uh, is going to be a while for any band to go down there. The way that things are going right now, yeah, the safety, the, the safety and the security of people are really iffy right now, especially when you have an American passport. 
yeah, yeah. So, but I'm saying, I, yeah. I, think, like, I don't think there's going to be like, as I was calling it, I think on so many levels internationally between America and European bands coming back and forth, it's it's not financially yeah. even viable for, for uh, it's you know, too, super expensive, super expensive. I it couldn't even, be. we went, uh, I know a lot of bands go back and forth. I don't know how they do it, but wheels uh, to Ponchy Cats. And then we went over to the, uh, uh, we went to Switzerland. I mean, the whole time was a blast, that's for sure. But it was only uh, two nights and that was it. So we paid all this money just for two nights, just yep. to say we went and did it. So we don't like to cancel shows. So we love it. We love Europe, you know, but unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen for a long ass time. Is it, is it as hard financially to get into Europe as, as, as the artists are saying to get um, into America? Well, for me, it didn't, the only cost that we uh, that we um, got was the cost of our uh, our hotels and travel costs. But so you, so yeah, yeah. So the band we just took our passports and travel. I didn't. We didn't get no visas or anything like that. Not at all. Well, maybe because you weren't a full tour. I, I don't think it's probably as hard for Americans. Well, prior to this, no, it wasn't at all. We traveled. I rented a car. We went to you know the airport, got the car, we got our shit in, we went in, we drove ourselves on the autobahn. We went into Germany, and uh, it was just like doing a show here, you know. You show up with your passport and kind of do that. And, you yeah. Know, walk on, it's it's got to be a pretty cool thing. Yeah, and you know what? When we went to Switzerland, I mean, we went through the, you know, the crossing of the, you know, where you go into the other country. But, you know, they didn't really stop us, you know what I mean? They kind of looked at us and go. That's crazy. You know, I, I think, and I think, I think there should be some kind of like international, like I was saying. Now, it's cost yeah. coming into the United States from other bands. They will get to paying a lot of money because they're not American. But the fact that they're actually coming in and then they're actually paying American tax when they're selling stuff in tour. Like, in, in they got to come in with a visa. They got to come in legally. You know, so it's, it's, it's different. Right, but I'm saying yeah, it should be the other way around because you know how great it would be to just, yeah. you know. It's not going to happen. It's not good. No, no, it's not good right now. It's it's uh, the the world is ugly right now. <laughs> it is. What um? That's why at least we at least we have we have Zoom and phones where we could talk. At least otherwise it'd be a nightmare. So like, what projects are you doing right now? Let's talk about the what you got. Well, right now I'm actually sitting here uh, at my home studio. Yeah. And uh, I am uh, working on music and. Uh, to be honest with you, I haven't talked to a lot to my guys except for like holidays here and there. Mm -hmm. And um, so it gives me the time to sit here, like I told you, and work on new material and put it together. Uh, we run our merchandising. So we have other things that we are adding and other records that we want to add. And, and so I have things that I'm working on, you know, but right now the way this COVID thing is, I, we need to get out of this 2020 thing going to 2021 and, uh, yep. and, and start investing into things. But, uh, you know, uh, there's not much you can really do uh, other than just sit at home and write unless, right. you know, you some know, people are doing streaming yeah, some people are doing streaming shows and some people are like, I write, you know, it's really hard, you know, it's, you know, like, uh, it's like playing football. You know, I see now what the NFL guys were talking about playing football with no people now, and yeah. uh, it's a different generation. But I tell you what, the music's not going anywhere. As much as the industry is burying it on their under under uh, uh, under award shows and and all these 
things that they do to stroke each other. Um, music is classic, uh, and this classic and this type of music will never go away because it's directly uh, wrapped up to everyone that grew in the United States or globally that uh, that uh, like rock and roll and uh, watch American movies and uh, got to hear, you know, uh, you know, songs from back in the day, you know, and uh, yeah, they're still selling. They still sell those songs as, as corny as they may be. They're still making they love money. it. My kids, my little daughter, man, I played her man on the silver mountain so many times when she was like nine months old. And by the time she was four, she was, Always asking me to play her that while she was on her car seat. <laughs> the Silver Mountain. That's pretty funny. Think about that, huh? He had, man, Love it. Ronnie had, Ronnie had the best voice. I saw Ronnie. Oh, uh, Ronnie I, was I, I, I got to catch him at least once live. It was yeah. a, I saw him singing uh, um, The Last in Line at uh, Sound City. We did our first album there. Um, I got to see him right in front of me at the studio do those tracks, by the way. That's pretty so, awesome. He was amazing. He was able to smoke a joint and walk in and belt that shit out. And I thought, oh, my God, if I took a hit of that joint, I would black out. <laughs> I was a kid, you know what I mean? It was like, his pipes yeah, his pipes were just always... He was just a little awesome. dude with this amazing... But remember, he was a trumpet player, so he had these great pipes of lungs, you know? I think you can, and I will let you know. Well, well thank you, and, uh, you know, keep me posted. I'll be... Looking forward to it, and I appreciate you uh, reaching out to me and uh, giving me a little bit of time to kind of shoot the uh, shoot the you know why for yep. a little bit. And uh, uh, think, uh, thank know, you for having me. All right, man. I will.